Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Ryan Clayton Podcast. This is a special one. I've got an in-person interview that I'm bringing to you guys today, and uh, it's with a guy named Henry Howard. Uh, I'll tell you more about him here in a second, but first, a couple updates. Um, It's still the middle of February. It's still very cold. Uh, We've seen some warm days. The sun has shown its face recently, but... It is still, like right now, it's like 20 degrees. And uh, just finished up recording this podcast with Henry. I'm about ready to go out on a run. And I'm just kind of over this winter weather. I really am. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not, I'm not excited to go put on 10 different pieces of clothing to go for a run. But I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm ready for it to warm up. Uh, right now, there's not even any snow on the ground to kind of make it fun or pretty to look at. It's just cold and windy and cloudy. So that's what we got going on in Indiana. Um, hope you guys are having a great time. Um, for those of you on the other side of this earth, I was just uh, uh, commenting back and forth to a guy in Finland and he said that they are supposed to get uh, like 12 inches of snow today. So that's wild. Um, kind of wish that that would happen here, actually. Um, at least it would make the run more fun. <laughs> but uh, also this weekend is the Black Canyons 100K. I actually know a couple people that are going to be out there. Uh, my good friend Tommy Byrne, uh, who's also on the Ultra Red team, is going to be out there. He's running 100K. Uh, he's just going to go crush it. Uh, Rob from Training for Ultra, another podcast that I listen to all the time, is out there. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just wish everyone out there good luck out there in the heat, in the desert. Um, go have fun. I'm going to go for a run in about 20 degrees right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. I wish you guys all the best, Uh, stay safe, and have a good race. On my last podcast, I believe it was my last one, uh, I mentioned that I was thinking about signing up for a gym membership so that I could go run on a treadmill, and that still hasn't happened yet. I've just been dragging my feet. Um, I just really don't want to pay like 30 or 40 bucks for the next month just to be able to run. It just doesn't really feel right. I don't know then go, you know, drive to a gym and go run on a treadmill. I mean, I know a lot of people do it and it probably would have been the best thing to do. Like maybe a month or two months ago is to sign up for a gym membership and just go get those miles so that as soon as it warms up, I could be, you know, a little bit farther along, but I still haven't done it. I'm dragging my feet. Just, I don't know. I'll probably go do it soon though, because it's not looking like it's going to warm up real soon. It looks like we still got another three to four weeks maybe five weeks of this really bitter cold before it even starts warming up into like the (laughs) forties. That's Fahrenheit. Um, yeah, I'm really excited, uh, to let you guys know that, uh, a new sponsor has come on, uh, for my journey this year, uh, helping out with the podcast, helping out with YouTube, but then also, uh, just really providing me with a lot of, uh, help this year as I tackle the Midwest Super Slam. That's uh, the sponsor's Inside Tracker. And um, basically, what they do is they provide feedback, uh, biofeedback, 
uh, to help you really uh, accomplish your goals, be healthier, uh, make big strides in your nutrition, recovery, all of that. Um, so actually, I'm going to go get my blood tested here pretty soon in the next couple of days. And um, they're just really excited about uh, this Midwest super slam. And I think they kind of see me as like a test subject, <laughs> uh, which is honestly, I'm fine with that. Uh, I, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to gain, uh, from working with inside tracker. Um, you know, I typically eat nearly vegan anyway already. So my diet is really pretty clean. Although there is, you know, there's like vegan junk food in there, like, you know, chips and stuff and just, you know, things that, probably don't help. Well, I know for a fact don't help, but hopefully having uh, a company like them, um, you know, providing me with some feedback and uh, just some accountability, I'll be able to, you know, like really shore up uh, those loose ends on my diet. Uh, They're also going to be able to, you know, help me, uh, give me uh, recommendations for recovery. Uh, So I'm really, really excited that they, um, are helping out this year. And, um, yeah, they talked about, uh, so I was talking to, uh, Jonathan Levitt over at inside tracker and he was just expressing his excitement for working with me and called me a serial racer, which I didn't know how to take. I guess that's a good thing. Maybe not ultra running memes. Just put up, uh, some meme that, um, kind of described me, uh, which is pretty funny. You should go check out that Instagram handle if you haven't heard of them yet. But anyway, Inside Tracker is going to be on. They're going to be helping out uh, just with a lot of stuff this year. So really, really excited to start working with them. Yeah, this show, uh, what's going on? Well, I'm interviewing a guy named Henry Howard. Uh, He's a really accomplished runner and ultra runner. Uh, He's run marathons, 50Ks, 50-milers. He's got his first 100K coming up at the UROC, the Ultra Race of Champions. He's running the Boston Marathon here in a couple weeks. And uh, just a really cool guy. He's got a website. He's got a blog. Uh, He interviews tons of ultra runners. You might have even come across his website already, runspirited.com. He had... Uh, like a, uh, he had a post kind of blow up a couple months ago about the 20 most inspiring ultra runners and his 20 most inspiring ultra runners and almost all of them like retweeted him and, uh, just really like shared the, shared the article around. So you might've come across that article actually. And, uh, yeah, so he's the guy I'm interviewing today. He's also a running coach. Um, so we talk about, all sorts of stuff. We talk about food. He's got a really interesting story about uh, the journey that his family has gone on with uh, food. Uh, We talk about his coaching business. We talk about his racing. Uh, We talk about uh, CBD oil because that's something I'm really interested in getting into. And uh, he's got some experience there. But yeah, without uh, drawing this out any longer, I think I'm just going to jump into the interview. So thank you guys for joining, and uh, I'm pleased to bring to you Henry Howard. Let's get this interview going. So we've known each other for a little bit, but 
It's been mostly through the internet. Yeah, thanks to social media <laughs> and uh, a random uh, pass on the trails, I think. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then we went, a couple weeks ago, we went on a run, and that was kind of like, uh, kind of exciting with all the ice and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we went for a, a run skate when it was about, yeah. what, eight degrees outside? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think it was probably uh, more dangerous than anything. Lucky we came out uh, without any major injuries. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then you kind of like, you run like all over the place. Like you travel a lot. And uh, what are some of the cool places that you've been to? So I'm fortunate I get to travel a lot for my job. And probably my favorite place to run is uh, around the memorials in Washington, okay. D.C. Yeah. Uh, I'll actually be there in a couple weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've also been able to run in San Diego, uh, Colorado. Um, and so it's been it's been great to see different places and be able to explore on foot rather than, uh, you know, in a passenger seat. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite things to do when I go to a new city is just go for a run first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you get to see uh, you get to see everything and definitely, like you said, experience it from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit tell me uh like kind of how you got into running um was that the only sport you've done or have you done other sports or so in high school i was a wrestler and i started my sophomore year and so my first real experience with running was after a, a practice two-hour practice we would do hallway sprints and we were um you know a lot of guys like me were you know trying to keep our weight at a certain level and our coach would have us go out uh, into the hallway and we'd sprint down uh, one hallway go down the stairs back down the other way and then up the stairs and everybody <laughs> had to make it and if even one person didn't make it it didn't count and yeah. usually i think we had to do 10 after practice um, so my first you know experience with running was not pleasurable <laughs> and um so i never really i never really thought of myself as a runner but in college looking back other people did um had a, a friend freshman year who was a runner he ran in high school and i think he ran in college too and he told me that i've got like the perfect build for it and it just wasn't something i mm -hmm. wanted to do or thought i had the time to do and what did you think about that when someone told you you had the perfect build to be a runner <laughs> I had never really thought that I was a runner. Yeah. So it would be like saying, you've got a perfect shot for basketball. You know, it yeah. just wasn't uh -huh. yeah. something that um, hit me at that point. Yeah. And a couple of years later, uh, I was dating a girl briefly, and she was on the cross-country and track team. And one, uh, one day, we, she said, hey, coach told us that... Um, no real practice today, just go out and run, you know, whatever miles it was and asked if I wanted to go. And I said, yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm sure I probably had a cotton t-shirt and probably basketball sneakers. And we went out and I don't, three, five miles would just be a guess of how far we went. And mm -hmm. we got back and I was still jabbering about something. And I, I turned around and she was kind of hunched over hands on her knees, breathing hard, and said, oh, my goodness, you set a really good pace. And I was like, I was just out running. So at that yeah. point, I probably should should have figured out that 
I was a runner, um, but it wasn't until much later that I actually decided to um, try this running thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what was like, do you remember your first race or uh, what, uh, what were some of the first couple of races that you did? I, um, I put on my bucket list, literally a bucket list to do a marathon. Mm -hmm. Right off, right off the bat. Well, not, not as the first thing, but to build up to it. (laughs) Um, and so I was 42, I think it was, and I figured I better start trying to run if, Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm ever going to make this. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, the summer of 2011, I start out and it, you know, there's a local race here, the, uh, uh, the zoo run run around Lafayette's uh, little zoo mm-hmm. and did that as my first 5k and um, you know loved everything about it it was it was you know at that time it was a great accomplishment and mm-hmm. felt great crossing the line and thought you know I can I can go further and I can uh, mm-hmm. you know even get faster so I you know from there I plan to do a half marathon in the fall and that was another local race here that I don't think exists anymore. Um, and my my goal for that was uh, try beat two hours, and I missed that by a couple minutes. And I just remember hitting mile eight and mm-hmm. was just like, when is this going to end? And it was also a race where yeah. it was an out and back, and, and it was this one long country road at the very beginning and end. And so you saw the finish line miles away yeah which is really a, a mental strain because you see it but you're not yeah moving that quickly toward yeah. it yeah um but that was you know it was it was good to finish um and cross the line and know that um you know in a year and a, or not even a year and a half in five or six months i'd gone from you know the couch to being able to finish a half marathon five or six months yeah jeez <laughs> yeah I know exactly what you're talking about when you say you coming up to and you see the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how uh, Ironman Louisville is set up where the marathon, it's basically two loops and you have to run right by the finish line halfway through your marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what that's like. It's pretty bad. Um, Race directors can be evil. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so that was your first half marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do a bunch of half marathons before you jumped up to a full or did you go straight into it? How fast did you go from your first half marathon to your first full marathon? The, uh, that half was in the fall of 2011. And so I figured I gave myself a year and I mm-hmm. was, uh, I had picked out the Indianapolis monumental marathon cause it was close by, looked like a great race. And I figured a year from now I could get myself up to that. Um, and so I, I didn't do a whole lot over the uh, summer or over the winter and kind of got back into it. Did a, a couple 5Ks. I think I did the, the zoo run again that, that July. Um, and I think I did another half marathon in training for uh, the Monumental and so it was, it was kind of a slower progression, um, but it was also something where, you know, I, I didn't, I was kind of coaching, teaching myself as I went, 
you know, mm-hmm. just kind of reading stuff online and just trying to figure it out as I went. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was, that was the bucket list at that time was to finish that marathon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my goal for that was four hours, just missed that by, I think it was eight minutes, but, you know, crossing that line is, is a pretty epic feeling the first time you, you finish, yeah. you finish any distance, but yeah. especially a marathon. For sure. That's awesome. Um, so then your first marathon, when you were, when you were like training for that or running, uh, or shortly after that, did you have any, cause I know like a lot of runners were the first thing that we hear is like Boston, like New York's like some of these big ones. Did you have any aspirations for any of those big ones as you were training? I don't think when I was training, I think I was pretty set on mm-hmm. finish this marathon and see what happens after that. But then it yeah. was, you know, the adrenaline of it and the fact that, you know, I did this and, and didn't die at the end yeah. is, is, a, is a cool feeling. Um, and then it was, okay, what else is out there? Mm-hmm. And I think that's when, you know, I looked up Boston because that's, you know, kind of that um, epic thing that a lot of runners aspire to. And, yeah. you know, I, I looked up my, um, you know, my time or my qualification at that point and realized that I had a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a driving force to, you know, see if that was possible. How much time did you figure you had to knock off from that first one? You, you said you were four, I was four Oh eight. And I'm guessing at that time that for my age, it was like 320 or 325. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was well over a minute per mile that yeah. I had to improve. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that freak you out? Or were you just like, I can do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of bullheaded. So I figured yeah. that I'd be able to, uh, um, you know, improve because I also knew that, you know, the first time for a marathon or any distance really, yeah. Um, you know, the cool thing is it's a PR, that's an automatic PR yep. if you finish, mm-hmm. but then you can always build from that and learn. Um, and there were definitely things I learned along the way that, um, you know, I was able to prove upon in, in future, uh, marathons. Mm-hmm. At this time, uh, did you have family? Like how old were your kids? Like were you training for this? And did that cause, did that cause issues? <laughs> they were in junior high, so they had... You know, they're old enough where I have two boys and they're both old enough where they could, you know, fend for themselves quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do my training um, and schedule around their activities. They were both involved in sports. So it was it was definitely a balance. And at that point, you know, all I knew was as a runner, you go out and run. I hadn't gotten into any cross training or yoga or you know mm-hmm. anything that I learned, you know, since then. Yeah. Did you, did you, have you ever hired a coach? I have. Um, in 2014, I injured myself, IT band issue, and I thought at that point, I need professional help because mm-hmm. I, I was improving, I was learning, and I got on with uh, Marathon Training Academy, and uh, my coach there, who coached me for roughly four years, turned me on to yoga, turned me on to cross training, um, and basically saved me from myself where, um, you know, she had put together a training plan each week and that saved, that saved me from overtraining or 
trying to catch up in workouts. Like, you know, if we get busy and we're, uh, we need to cram in everything in the week, um, there's a, you know, if we're training ourselves, there's a tendency to, you know, pile on stuff at the end of the week just to hit that goal when it's really, you know, if you miss a run, then fine, just get back into it. One run in a 16 week or 18 week or whatever training program at the end of the session is not gonna, is is not gonna hurt you at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's also inspired me to become a coach as well too. So Mm -hmm. it's nice that, uh, now I can give back and, and see my athletes succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to get into that uh, here soon. Um, but just to kind of to sort of finish that, uh, you so Boston, you did do that one time, right? I will do that this April. Okay, that's coming up. Okay. <laughs> uh, so how? what was that progression like going from that uh, that first marathon to all of a sudden you finally qualified for Boston? Early on, when I was training myself, it was a very slow progression. I had several PRs. Um, I think my best, I think I'd improved by 15 minutes. I think my best was mm-hmm. 353 yeah. after four or five marathons. And by incorporating a lot of what my coach had you know, set up for me, the yoga, the cross training, the just the smarter approach to training got me to where um, I was in position to uh, go back to the Indianapolis Monumental and PR, or not only PR, but uh, BQ as well. And I did that in 2016, I think. Um, I've done it twice, uh, once with her, and then um, uh, there was a time when I went back to coaching myself for a little bit, and I um, also PR'd. And be cute, and so that's what got me into this year. Yeah, so looking forward to that. So that's coming up. Yeah, how far away is that? It's um, from now. Well, it was two months from yesterday. Uh-huh. Gosh, how are you feeling? <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. I uh, I have a new coach uh, through Marathon Training Academy who's taking a different approach because I'm also. Um, training for my first 100k Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of mileage that we're uh, building and so I'm I'm feeling healthy I'm I'm feeling good and uh, looking forward to uh, what the spring will bring yeah so you're training for 100k at the same time as you're about ready to go run Boston right Uh, and then you mentioned that the approach was a little bit different uh, that helped you uh, really speed up your time. You said you mentioned, or you mentioned yoga. Was there anything else that you saw, um, your coach changed in your training that really helped you improve? Two things really. And this is also, you know, both of these, a lot of what I've learned from her, I've kind of developed for my own athletes too. And one is core work and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, something that, yeah, we run with our legs, but we also run, um, you know, with our whole bodies too. And being able to have a stronger core is definitely for these endurance type events really valuable. And that was something that was really eye-opening to me. And as I've been able to progress and and do these exercises, that's really helped significantly. And another valuable lesson I learned was that as as a master's athlete, 
um, you know, working up and finding where that peak is because you want to be able to get to the starting line when you're peaking. Mm -hmm. And I used to do, when I was training myself, I used to do three 20 mile runs before a marathon. And since I've been coached. So what did that look like in your, in your training? What weeks were those? So that would be, um, two weeks out from the marathon. I usually did a two week taper. So two weeks out would be 22, 23 miles. And then, um, I would, kind of alternates. So four weeks out would be another 20 miler. And the one in between would be, I don't know, probably 13, 15, somewhere in there. So they wouldn't be back to back to back. There mm-hmm. would be kind of a cutback week. Um, but under her philosophy, it's more one quality 20 mile run, three weeks out, taper, and then keep up um, the intensity that lasts three weeks. And that's really been a game changer for me. Uh, and you know, looking at my times, it's, um, there's a definite correlation there. Nice. Where, like I said, it was a three fifty three before I, uh, started with her and now my PR is three twenty three, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, in three or four years that, you know, knocked off more than a minute per mile. Yeah. That's awesome because that's something that, um, I've been talking about a lot uh, through my videos and podcasts is just the taper is, uh, incredibly important. And a lot of people, um, they either don't know how to do it or they just do it wrong. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, uh, drop down the volume, keep the intensity high. You want to keep that, you want to keep that engine burning. You don't just want to back everything off. Um, and I just think, I mean, that's, that's really, really cool that you were able to, um, like identify that as one of the biggest things, um, that's helped you. And it also depends on the race and your goals too. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if it's a fast marathon you want to do, then the taper will be different than, for example, if you're doing something insane, like 500 miles uh, <laughs> you know, over a couple of months, including two that are within three weeks, <laughs> yeah, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> It'll look a little different. Yeah. 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 So, When's your first 100K? That is May 11th. It's Mm -hmm. the Ultra Race of Champions Mm -hmm. in the uh, mountains of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And that was actually supposed to be last year. And I was all set and was in in that taper mode. And four days before, I underwent emergency abdominal surgery. And texted the race director from my hospital bed and said... So, uh, change of plans and she was great and allowed me to defer it to this year. That's awesome. Which I really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, so I, I definitely, I could have done a, another hundred K before then. Um, uh, but because she was so great about it and I just love what the course looks like. Um, and it's, uh, it looks like it's going to be an epic run, and I'm just really, uh, really grateful for her for, um, you know, allowing me to defer it, and um, you know, looking forward to uh, getting there. It's it's been a a long journey, but uh, it's uh, something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and you've run you've run other ultras. You've done 50ks. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ones you've done before? 
Uh, I've done the American River 50 miler. 50 miler too. Yeah. Um, I've done 350Ks, 350 milers, mm-hmm. uh, American River 50, uh, beautiful race in California. Um, I did the Chattanooga 50 this past uh, December 1st, uh, which was a great race. Um, the race director of UROC also does a race called the Belmonte uh, 50. It's a 50K and a 50-miler. I did the 50K uh, a couple years ago, and that was great. That was also in Virginia. Uh, I did the Big Turtle 50 in Kentucky, which was a really nice race. Um, very hilly. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was great. Um, and then my first 50K was in Ohio, and it was the Buckeye Trail 50. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So this, yeah. UROC, uh, you mentioned the course. What does it look like? Um, is it a lot of vertical gain? Is it uh, pretty, I assume it's pretty rocky terrain because it's in Virginia. It's, what does it look like? Uh, it definitely, it's it's uh, rocky. Um, it's point to point. Oh, nice. And so it's, I think, I think it's 9,000 feet up and 8,000 feet down. So awesome. it's definitely going to be... Yeah. Uh, there will be power hiking involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the when I'm riding the hills in Boston, that will that will uh, be helpful for training. Um, I I'd, I'd wondered about doing the Big Turtle again this year because that's that had some decent elevation. Uh, but I talked to my coach about it, and we decided um, because that's a lot within basically a month's time period to just mm-hmm. um, not worry about another race, get other elevation, um, you know, as much as possible here in flat Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, the, the UROC is, um, it's definitely going to be uh, challenging with some hills, lots of elevation, and uh, should just be an epic journey through uh, the mountains of Virginia. Yeah. I wonder if that's close to uh, Grindstone. It was like, I don't know. I have to look at a map, but so what is your, um, have you, do you have any idea what your training is going to look like post Boston and kind of like the lead up to this hundred K, um, has your coach kind of like informed you of anything or, cause I assume you're doing a lot of road now and kind of like maybe some quicker intensity runs. Um, is that going to change? Has she mentioned anything to you? Um, I've actually got a new coach and, and it's, okay. a, it's a he now, okay, but, gotcha. um, okay. So we haven't talked specifically about that interim period, mm-hmm. um, and I'm doing kind of a combination of roads and, and trails now. There's um, definitely speed work, like this morning was an easy run uh, with strides, which is something that's fairly common in my training plan to um, you know help that leg turn over, because um, he's... Uh, you know, also wants me to requalify for Boston at Boston. Nice. And so, you know, we're we're definitely doing a lot of easy runs, um, but with that, whether it's strides or whether it's um, uh, you know some other speed work component in it. And I think that's also because it's it's challenging, as you know, right now to be able to do any real speed work outside um, yeah. with any. Uh, black ice or snow Mm -hmm. or that kind of thing so it's uh, very weird when there's a day (laughs) over the last couple weeks where you're able to run quickly (laughs) right right yeah um so what do you think that race weekend is going to look like do you have any goals for the race uh, for you rock 
um, have you, are you just going to go out there and just try to have fun? Like what's your, how are you approaching it? There's, uh, I mean, you know, the thing is it's going to be something where I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm going to think back to a year ago when I was doing, you know, laps pushing my IV cart around the fifth floor of the hospital, uh, literally on, on race morning. Um, so it's, it's going to be, you know, a lot of memories and a lot of, um, thoughts about, you know, there are times when there will be a time when I can't run. And mm-hmm. I thought about that last year and I, I knew that was part of my motivation for getting the hell out of that hospital and getting back to even mm-hmm. slow running as, as fast mm-hmm. as my body would allow. So I'll, you know, I'll definitely be thinking about that. I'll definitely be thinking about, you know, being able to achieve this goal that was deferred, you know, from a year ago. As far as the time, uh, it's actually, I think it's 64 miles, which, you know, is whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's two buckles that they have, and one I think is for 16 hours and under. So I, you know, I definitely am, would like to achieve that um, as, you know, maybe the the A goal and I haven't figured out a B goal and the, you know, the C goal is probably just cross that finish line. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's smart. Um, I think, you know, anytime you jump up in distance, uh, and you know, this just from going from five K's all the way up to 50 milers and now you're hundred K, uh, I think it's smart to, you know, just have an open mind (laughs) and, uh, just say, you know, my goal is to finish, but it is also a uh, a good encouragement to have kind of like a time goal hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with like ultra running, all of these courses that we do are wildly different from each other. You can't, I mean, I mean, even in road running, if you go from like New York to Boston, it's going to be different enough that you're not going to be able to totally tell your time. You can, you know, have a little bit more of a precise goal, but with ultra running, You've got just different terrain, you've got weather, uh, you've got vertical gain differences, and it's just, uh, you know, I think it's, I think having an open mind is really good. Um, And that even brings into having an open mind on race day. Yeah. When when I did Mm -hmm. Chattanooga last winter, race day, it had rained for the last 12 hours or so. And when we got, that was another point to point, when we got dropped off at the start line, the winds were like, I don't know, somebody said 30 miles per hour, someone else said 40. It was a strong crosswind and it was pouring. The The beginning trails were like running in a creek. Gosh. And so I just threw out whatever time goal I had and, you know, it just became just finish and do the best you can. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, that's something that you can't, you can only control what you can control and we can't control the weather on race day and you just make the best of it put your uh i won't say put your head down because you need to be you know looking around but um just focus and um you know keep driving um aid station by aid station mile by mile whatever however you need to you know chew that elephant one bite at a time and then that'll help you get to the finish line yeah no, I think that's really, really great advice to control what you can control and don't worry about what you can't control. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I'm interested to hear kind of uh, what you went through, uh, like mentally, like when you were injured, um, because I think a lot of runners go through injuries every once in a while, but it sounds like you were out for quite a long time and couldn't run for a while. You said you were doing pool laps in the pool. So like, what was that as a runner, uh, as kind of like, sounds like a lifetime athlete, like kind of like, what was that for you? What was that like? Like after surgery? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely tough because that, um, is something that, you know, I had no control over and it happened so quickly that, you know, I just needed to, you know, focus on what was possible. I was, um, obviously I couldn't do you rock. The next big thing on my calendar was, uh, the Chicago marathon in October. And since this happened, the surgery happened in May, Chicago was October. I knew that I would have enough time to build back up and finish, even if it wasn't, you know, uh, a, a PR or anything, but it was just, I was motivated to get back because, you know, I didn't belong in a hospital because that's where sick people are. Mm -hmm. And I, I was told before the surgery that, you know, the recovery time in a hospital would be four to six days. Hmm. And the surgery was on a Wednesday and I was like, okay. So Monday was, um, my son who was a senior at the time was their last school awards program and I wasn't going to miss that. So surgery was like late on Wednesday, like seven o'clock or something. So I thought, okay, I don't want to mess around with getting discharged on Monday. <clears throat> so my first goal was to get out Sunday mm -hmm. and I did everything possible that I could. I got up every hour or two and did my hospital wing laps. And they also, you know, the nurses said also, you know, when you get back, don't lie down, just sit in your chair. And that's going to, you know, sitting is a lot better than, than laying down. And so the only time I was laying down in that bed was literally when I was sleeping. And I was up, um, you know, to the point where, uh, you know, they almost, you know, they always smiled, you know, thinking, well, he's up again. Um, but I did probably close to 10,000 steps a day. Um, wow. just really slow, methodical, um, the same pattern in the hospital wing. Um, and I, I did get discharged on Sunday. So that first goal was met. And then they, you know, encouraged me to keep walking at home, which didn't have to tell me twice. And, you know, I got myself up to about 12,000 steps a day, um, just walking around the neighborhood and, um, you know, I wasn't running, but it was something where, you know, I was speeding up the healing process as much as could be expected. And, you know, when I went back to see, um, not the surgeon, but his assistant, um, she cleared me, uh, again, as early as possible to start light jogging. And then I got the clearance again, as early as, as possible based on their timeline, um, to go back into everything. So, um, you know, I just took it easy, listened to them and, you know, it, it was, you know, those first couple of, uh, jogs around the neighborhood were a lot slower than it was barely a power hike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, mentally I was able to, you know, think about why I'm doing this and, you know, that race was taken away from me and I didn't want other races taken away from me. And I, 
you know, had my eye on Chicago. And then there are some other races I signed up for to build back toward Chicago. And I, I still wanted to do, um, I guess I had the 50 miler on my schedule as well too. So that in Chicago were the big goals for the second half, um, of last year. And so that was the driving force to know that, you know, I had, I had time, but I was also starting from pretty much ground zero after a long layoff and, um, you know, the surgery. Yeah. I feel that pain. I, I went through not any, not a surgery, but a couple months where I chose not to run to try and heal an injury. And I just felt like, I felt like part of myself was taken away because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have running at the time. Uh, I didn't have cycling. I didn't have swimming. And I just felt like I was almost like lost, honestly. <laughs> but, um, it sounds like you really pushed through that, uh, very aggressively to try and get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's also we, you know, we as ultra runners, you know, look up to some of the elites and, you know, being able to see what Casey Lichtig did after she went through a major surgery and how she came back to perform well at Western States and UTMB last year. Um, Chris Danucci is another one who um, has gone through a couple of surgeries um, Andy Jones Wilkins with literally getting both hips replaced, yeah. um, you know, and they're still, <clears throat> excuse me, they're still out there doing, you know, incredible things um, that they're capable of. And just being able to, to see people like that, you know, go through something much more severe, um, a running related injury is motivation for me when it's when that alarm goes off at, at four thirty, and it's like, all right, this is, you know, we have the ability to run. We won't always have that. And to be able to do this goal, whatever it is that you're, you're chasing, um, that's, that's why that alarm goes off. And that's why we answer, answer it every day. Yeah. And that's awesome that we have people, uh, you know, uh, these pros to look up to, uh, who go through these surgeries. And I think it's awesome when, um, they kind of let us have a peek into the process of like a social media and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think it can really be a big encouragement. Um, and that's funny that you brought that up cause that's something I want to talk about too, is some of your other, uh, interests. Uh, you've got a website, uh, with a blog and you actually interview a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about that. That's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, It'll be two years this summer since I launched uh, the website, uh, runspirited.com. And I just, I'm an editor, writer by trade, and, you know, it's a perfect uh, mix for kind of combining my passion for running and ultra running with something I've been doing professionally for a while. So, you know, that's what's great about the ultra community is that we can reach out to, you know, the people I mentioned, uh, Casey and Chris Danucci, um, and others, Carl Meltzer. Um, it's just easy to reach out to them and say, Hey, can I, you know, interview you for my website? And like 95, 98% have just said, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's great to be able to, um, you know, share their stories, learn from them, them share, you know, that and inspire others. Cause that's, 
you know, that, that was kind of the motivation for it is I've been inspired by their stories and I want to share that, um, through a medium that, that I have that I'm able to do, um, and, you know, really share, um, you know, share their stories to help others be inspired so that, you know, maybe it's someone who wants to do their first ultra or do whatever it is. Um, and that's, you know, that's, uh, something that I, that I get inspired by too. Yeah. You had a pretty, uh, big, uh, social media moment when one of your, well, I don't know. I don't know what the biggest one you've ever had was, but one of your articles got like retweeted by like a ton of <laughs> these ultra runners. And it was the, your top 20 most inspiring. Yeah. That yeah. was, what was that like? Cause that, did you get, did you see a huge, uh, spike, uh, in your website or was it, what was that like when you just start seeing all these people retweeting and, uh, replying back to you? Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, we, you know, we as a society do these year end, you know, the best of lists and everything. And I thought about doing that, but then, you know, ultra running magazine is, you know, the, the expert in that. And, you know, I don't claim to, you know, be able to do what they do with any authority, you know, so I coming up with my own top 10 list would be, you know, whatever. Um, and so I thought, you know, who are the most, who are the runners who inspired me, you know, this past year? And, so I was like, well, I'll do, you know, my top 10. But then I was like, wow, I, I can't narrow it to 10. And, <laughs> you know, narrowing it to 20 was hard enough. But, you know, I think I came up with a decent group. There is some people that, um, uh, you know, some other ultra running, uh, you know, uh, runners and, and fans reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you should put so-and-so on your list. And and they're not wrong. It's, it's an opinion. And there are a couple who maybe I should have included that I didn't, but um, you know, it was, it, it was why we do it. It was, I, I thought when I was putting it together, it was actually, um, a really cool concept to be able to, you know, uh, put together the, you know, those who inspired me and, and not just me, but inspired other people. And so, you know, and it wasn't one to 20, it was here are 20, um, because trying to figure out, you know, who was one, who was two would, you know, would have, um, been difficult, but they're all inspiring. They've all inspired me in some way. Um, they're not all elites. There are elites in there. There's others who are, um, you know, certainly inspirational in their own ways. And yeah, like you said, it just took off. I really didn't expect that. I just figured it would, um, you know, be something that, you know, my core group would, you know, share, like comment yeah. on and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But you know, certainly as more and more ultra runners, you know, um, shared it, tweeted it, you know, whatever, um, it did grow into, you know, a bit of its own conversation. And, um, you know, I think that's great because that's, you know, hopefully that helped other people find inspiration through those stories and others. For sure. Yeah. So who are some of the people that were on that list for those that haven't seen your article? Uh, who are some of the more memorable ones that uh, really inspired you? A uh, couple that I've already mentioned, uh, Casey Lichtig, um, you know, her year from her recovery from, you know, uh, her se severe injury was, was definitely one, uh, Chris Danucci, the same, uh, same type of thing where he came back from injury. Um, Corey Waltering, who is incredibly fast and, um, just really inspiring to be, 
you know, someone who's clearly a minority in our sport. Um, his story is, is great. Um, Luke Sanchez is a 15 year old, I think who finished a wow. hundred miler. Yeah. And, you know, that to me was someone who we're going to hear a lot about him yeah. in, in the years to come. And, um, you know, as someone who kind of aspires to that, seeing um, how uh, how he you know progressed and was able to finish this um, was inspiring to me. Sabrina Stanley, who was mm-hmm. you know one of my favorite interviews so far, who basically said, um, you know, when uh, when other competitors see me or my name on the start list, I want them to be scared. <laughs> she made no bones about that she wanted to go in and win hard rock yeah and you know that's that's kind of different a lot of ultra runners are more um they're competitive but more laid back and so you know i think that the fact that she has big goals and she's not afraid to um talk about them and then go out and do them yeah, that is that is inspiring to me too. Yeah, so. that's awesome. I actually got to meet her for like one minute, maybe two <laughs> minutes, uh, out at Leadville. Uh, her and Avery were there crewing somebody, and uh, actually, I also I met Avery at Grindstone too. Um, but then, and so I kind of approached him at Leadville and was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Like, <laughs> I remember you winning Grindstone. I ran that race. <laughs> Can I shake your hand? <laughs> and then uh, Sabrina was there too and chatted for a couple minutes and they were getting ready to go out uh, overseas uh, for a race that he was running Tour de Jean. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they were getting ready for that. Um, but that's a crazy race out there. So you've got this website where you uh, interview a lot of people. It's a blog. You also have a coaching business. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that, how you got into it and yeah, so that is something that, um, you know, as I progressed as a runner and I learned things and I, um, you know, was able to um, just answer questions that friends, coworkers, other people interested in running, you know, had for me, I thought, you know, maybe I could make this more of a priority and, you know, help more people and um, you know, see them succeed. And so I started, um, last year and I had three friends who I said, Hey, I'm, you know, thinking of becoming a certified coach and, you know, I'm willing to help you, um, as I do this, you know, and, you know, I won't charge you at all at this point, you know, uh, I'll just, you know, work with you however you want. And, um, I, you know, and they all, agreed they all had very different goals and um you know i did that as i kind of went through the coaching process through roadrunners uh, club of america and each of my athletes achieved their prs uh last fall which was wow, awesome nice yeah and one um her goal was uh, again at the indianapolis monumental um was to pr from her distance the previous year or her time the previous year and that race was literally the Saturday morning that I was in the RRCA class and mm-hmm. she texted me and it was all I could do to keep from like jumping out of my chair and like <laughs> celebrating when she, uh, 
he told me she PR'd by six minutes. Gosh, and that's awesome. Yeah, that was... And that was right off the bat, like right as you were starting coaching, all of a sudden one of your athletes gets a PR. Yeah, it was... We, I mean, we'd, <clears throat> I'd done the whole training program for her and um, she's a coworker, so you know there was a lot of um, questions, you know, face to face and email about, you know, everything from nutrition to, um, you know, feeling this little tweak, you know, and, um, this kind of thing. And, you know, it was, be, it was great to be able to really work with her and, you know, show her that, um, you know, she's faster than, uh, she thought she was and she can do more things as a runner than, than she thought. Um, but yeah, the being able to when I was literally in the class and see like the first result from one of my athletes was was really cool. Yeah. So where do you want like so how many do you have a couple athletes now and where do you want to take this? Yeah, I have some uh, that I'm working with now, including each of the three that I started with last year, and I am um, going to yeah I have. Uh, I have openings now, so if people are looking for um, coaching, then I'd be happy to hop on a call and see if um, you know we have a fit. Um, I've you know each of the three that I did last year had really different goals. Um, the half marathon PR, uh, a woman who wanted to finish her first marathon, which she did, and then a guy um, who is my age and wants to do a 20 minute 5k so three really different goals Mm -hmm. and you know i'm up for um you know virtually anything um i would say up to a 50k or 50 mile um you know i haven't done 100k or 100 mile yet so you know if that's someone's goal we could talk about it but because i haven't done it yet um you know that's something that um you know, I, I'm not as confident in that as I am any of the other distances and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, training cycles. So, um, I'm also starting at our local Y, um, to do a, uh, couch to 5k, um, through the YMCA here. Yeah. Is that the new building that just went up? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. My family goes there. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot off the press. So, uh, signups are, starting maybe even today that's awesome yeah yeah so how's your how's your uh, coaching business set up um because i mean for me like mine is basically all online it's email based um we use a website called training peaks how do you go about it um delivering a plan to an athlete uh planning ahead of time do you uh, do you write out workouts uh in advance or uh, like on the fly like how do you do that so the only uh, person I have right now who I see face to face is my coworker um, who did the six minute PR, and um, so we uh, our training plan is like the others where it's it's online, uh, but she has the advantage where she can walk into my office and say, "Hey, about you know, the, I have a question about this." Uh, but the others are all um, where we do email, phone calls, that kind of thing. Um, and we've always talked, you know, before a training plan about the, the athlete's goals. Um, and then I customize it to them. I have them fill out a questionnaire about, you know, their nutrition and their previous race experience, previous injuries, their goals, and all this information that helps me understand who they are. 
and what their goals are and how I can get them there. And then the actual training plan, I kind of sketch it out on paper um, for the you know 12 or 16 weeks or whatever it's going to be. And then uh, right now I'm using um, kind of Google Docs to, so that they can see it. And I only give them two weeks ahead of time um, because I don't want to give them the whole plan. And then if they fall behind or if they're progressing faster, um, and I don't want them to think about 16 weeks at a time, I want them to focus on, you know, today and this week. And, you know, they can see next week, but let's not even, don't worry about that. Let's just, you know, focus on on this week's work workout. So I give them two weeks at a time with, you know, progressively building up based on their goals and how they're doing. Um, you know, one of my runners has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Um, and so I told her, you know, after uh, she has a long run today and we've been following that up with an easy run on Sunday mornings. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm glad you're feeling better from last week, but if you feel that issue come up again this week, get on the bike. I don't, the, the four mile run on Sunday isn't going to help you. It could only hurt you because I don't want this injury to, um, you know, uh, peak at this time. So, you know, if you do feel it again, do the bike on Sunday, you'll still get the cardiovascular, which is what we're trying to do at this point. Um, and then let's, you know, give that, um, knee a little bit of time to heal. Um, so it's, they're totally customized. Um, and then we can, you know, we can both see at the same time, kind of that two weeks. So they, they put in, um, like I'll put, like say it's a five mile easy run on Tuesday or whatever it is, you know, I'll put that in and then they'll fill out, you know, did 5.1 miles at, you know, such and such a pace felt good and that kind of thing. So it's just the way we can share and communicate. And then I can use that to adjust as need be on the fly. Yeah. And that's great to hear. I think one of the, you know, one of the biggest reasons that people don't hire a coach is because they're just, they don't know how it's going to work or they're a little mm -hmm. scared or, um, you know, they think they can get the same exact plan out of a book or online somewhere. And that's really, I mean, that's encouraging to hear that you, uh, you know, similar to the way I do it, you only do like a week or two at a time, um, because it's dynamic. It changes. You can't, I mean, you can't just like look at this plan online and say, uh, this is exactly what I'm going to do for the next like 16 to 20 weeks. Um, it changes, um, you know, you've got up weeks and down weeks and maybe you need to actually increase or, uh, speed up a little bit. And I think that's one of the big benefits to having a coach. Exactly. And it's, it's helped me. I mean, you know, we talked about my PRs earlier and for sure and yeah. having that coach, you know, helped me be accountable. And also it gives you access to that hey, this is going on. What do I do? Um, for yeah. sure. That's one of the biggest things. Yeah. I, a lot of questions uh, and answer. And that's one of my favorite things too, is just explaining, um, kind of processes that I've gone through ways that I've overcome things. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's one of the biggest benefits from having a coach. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you are also, I want to pivot into, uh, you're an ambassador for a lot of different companies like you have, you have connections like kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, and I want to kind of ask you about like, uh, what they all are, but two that I want to hit on for sure is, uh, you just start working with, 
um, this company called Prevail that mm-hmm. does uh, CBD products, and then also Inside Tracker. Um, and Inside Tracker, I just started working with them as well. Um, and so we'll get into that. But what are some of the companies you work with? Uh, what are uh, some of the benefits that you see uh, from uh, their products, or how have they helped you? Mm-hmm. So the before I enter an ambassador agreement um, with any company, I want to be able, or I do use their products beforehand. Um, I There have been a couple that have reached out to me and said, you know, hey, do you want to sample this or try this or whatever? Um, and if it's, you know, I'm not going to trade, um, you know, my content for, you know, free, whatever it is. Uh, site unseen or site untested, I guess. Um, so it's it's products I use and believe in that I then put on my website, runspirited.com. Um, there is a, a section there um, on discounts, and I've got um, you know uh, codes people can use for Inside Tracker, uh, Prevail um, Botanicals, I think is the proper name of the company, and and some others. Um, I'm an ambassador for uh, Boko Gear, a uh, small Colorado-based company, which makes really cool hats. Um, and uh, the winter one I've got is, is definitely helpful now in these uh, <laughs> chilly, actually I have a couple, um, in these chilly temperatures right now. Um, they also make a, um, a stuff for summer gear that is uh, really good. And, and so, uh, you know, kind of baseball caps that can, uh, block the sun, but also they're made with ventilation so that um, you don't get too um, hot in the in the summer heat that we're looking forward to at this point. Yes, um, can't come soon enough. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Plant Fusion is a another company that I have done stuff for, and they are uh, vegan, um, uh, gluten free. Um, they make various uh, protein powders based on um, organic peas and other types of um, uh, nutrients. And they've been really great. I've been using uh, that product for a number of years. And, um, you know, someone who is um, somewhere between vegan and pescatarian, I've kind of had my own kind of niche in the middle there. Um, I do, you know, with, with being an endurance athlete, I do worry about getting enough protein. So this is a way that I can do that. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to be able to go out for a workout, uh, take a scoop of that with some water and then, you know, get that, that protein that, that my body needs as part of the recovery. Um, and then the two you mentioned, um, there's a couple others, but, um, inside tracker is a company I've worked with for a number of years. And this has been something that's been uh, just great uh, for me because it's it's the, you do a simple blood draw and they come back and they give you I think it's like thirty six different measurements biomarkers yeah. you know various vitamins and cholesterol and uh, cortisol and iron and everything. Um, and then it shows you kind of, and you get to put in your personalized, you know, goals and height, weight, and that kind of stuff. And so it's really not based on, you know, the whole 
um, American population. It's really based on you and your recommendations, and it shows you kind of, you know, they call it optimized. So most of my markers are in the optimized zone, mm-hmm. and there are others that are high or low, and so they have um, ones that are needs improvement, um, optimized, and there's one other one. And um, so basically usually about four or five of, of mine are in that needs work area. And so they give you recommendations on foods to eat, um, that will help that. Um, and I've seen a definite correlation. Uh, one of my previous recommendations was a daily, uh, vitamin D supplement, especially at this time of the year when, you know, we rarely see the sun. And so in taking vitamin D, I've been able to regulate that level. So in recent tests, that's come out. Okay. Um, another one is, uh, because I don't sleep enough, you know, cause I'm an endurance athlete after all. <laughs> um, that's you know my cortisol is generally high and they've recommended among other foods also taking a daily ashkawanda supplement i think is how it's pronounced what is that it's an indian-based root um that's uh obviously a plant and it's something where i've uh, also bought this supplement and inside trucker doesn't sell these which i think is important to know it's not like they're giving you a test and saying, oh, we have this, go buy it. You know, I'm, they don't sell that. They just uh, provide the test and the markers. So I'm, you know, going elsewhere to, uh, you know, to buy um, this supplement. And so I've been taking that and hoping to help regulate that as well too. Um, and so Inside Trackers also helped me where as I've changed my diet, been able to, to see you know, it was uh, a year ago, January, that I, you know, cut out all red meat, chicken, um, and, and other forms of meat other than than fish, basically. And so I was able to do tests that, you know, kind of showed the before and after. And while there were changes, there weren't any, like, warning signals that that I wasn't getting enough protein, that kind of thing. So that's you know, we can all feel healthy on the outside and, you know, do these big races, but being able to use, you know, science to show what's going on inside has, has definitely been helpful to me. Um, uh, and additionally, you asked about prevail. Um, I'd been, I had tested another, um, CBD, um, based product last year. And this was one where you, um, squirt it under your tongue. The recommendation is five squirts in the morning, five squirts in the evening, and it will help you recover and get more sleep and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I use um, some some metrics to kind of gauge whether this works because I don't, I don't know. I know how I feel, but I don't know, you know, how, how it's really working. And so I have a, um, a sleep monitor. And so before I started it, I wrote down the 10 the 10 nights beforehand where it gives you a sleep score every night based on how restless you were, how much REM sleep you mm-hmm. got, all these kind of things. And then I started taking, um, the CBD product. And then for the first 10 days of it, I measured the score and they were almost identical. They were like 0.5 off, which was nothing negligible. So did it work? 
I don't know. I can't sit here and say it did or it didn't. It yeah. Uh, and there's other variables about you know stress from home life, stress from work, um, you know, and and other things too. So it certainly didn't do um, any harm. Um, but you know, the metrics show that there really wasn't that much of a change. So, and that was from taking the CBD oil drops like under your tongue. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was, uh, another company that reached out to me. Um, and at the same time, there was another one, um, who I had also tried previously, um, prevail and I, applied to be a prevail ambassador instead of going with this other one that I had not used before. And I was fortunate, um, honored that prevail accepted me. And the reason, another reason why I like them is that it's not an oral thing. It's, um, a salve that you, uh, apply to wherever the pain is. And it's almost like they're like mini, like almost deodorant um, okay, yeah, things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that you just kind of rub on. And so I, um, it, you know, in the past couple of weeks, I had gotten uh, a new batch of that. And at the same time, I'd been dealing with some planter, which I know has been yeah. a, uh, yeah. a, uh, uh, quote unquote friend of yours for a while. Yeah. And me and plantar fasciitis know each other well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I've dealt with it as well too. And I had this, um, uh, I had this injury on my other foot, um, that I had gotten some ointment, uh, prescription for, and that had been healing. And so I had been, when the planner reared its ugly head on the other foot, I had decided, well, I've got this, you know, prescription thing. It's for pain. I'll just start using that. And it didn't make it go away. It didn't make it worse Didn't make it better. Um, but I'd been using that for a couple weeks and it had been kind of steady. I had, you know, woken up and those first couple steps were, you know, ouch, ouch. Yeah. And it was fine. Um, but then literally the first day that I got the order of prevail, I switched from the, uh, prescription thing to rubbing prevail on the back of my heel. And the next morning I woke up and got out of bed and then realized, wait a second, I don't feel my heel. And of course, then I did. So I don't wow. know if I put it into my own head or if it was something. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, there's a lot of variables. So um, I and, and now that it's been, you know, I've been using it nightly before going to bed. Um, the prevail has has definitely uh, healed it. It's been amazing. Um, the change. I need to try this. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the process? You say you put it on before bed, you kind of rub this deodorant stick like on your heel. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they, you know, even in their directions, they say, you know, everybody's different. So figure out what works for you. They don't recommend once, twice, four times a day. They, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, they, you just, you know, apply it and, um, you know, if, if it's something, the first day I actually did it twice. I, you know, when I first got it, I'm like, all right, going to try this out. And then I did it again before I went to bed. And like I said, it was, it, it was shocking wow. how, how there was a change. And then I had a, a pretty hard midweek run. Um, 
some some speed work and I hadn't done the workout before, but it was it was a pretty good intense run and I thought that I might slip back into it um into the heel pain and I just put prevail on once at night and woke up the next morning and um there was a little discomfort um but not what I had experienced before after a similar run mm-hmm. so it it was definitely something where um it's definitely helped and I'm just you know, grateful that it's something where I'm just applying it to my body instead of, you know, taking something oral. Yeah, <clears throat> that's great. Uh, I need to try this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think so CBD oil is kind of like a hot topic right now because uh, it's related, uh, same plant, um, marijuana. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, I feel like, because I've looked into it and I've kind of read a bunch of stuff and um, I've actually seen this company that you're talking about prevail and their salve. And I think a lot of people, um, might not completely understand what this is. And so, um, like kind of from your understanding, from what you know about CBD, like, what is it? Um, is it, does it do anything bad to you? Are you going to be, uh, if you get drug tested at a race, like, is this going to show up? <laughs> No, my understanding is that it's from the same plant, but it's not the, um, the, the manufacturers, whether it's Prevail or another one, don't use the same, um, part that's the addictive, illegal, well, illegal in some places, Mm -hmm. marijuana part of it. Um, so it, it would be like using any plant, like, uh, turmeric or, you know, whatever, that um has these healing properties um so yeah it might get a bad rap because it's affiliated with marijuana um or the plant that makes uh is used to make marijuana but it's um it's safe um it's not addictive it won't show up on a drug screen um but it still has the healing properties uh and it's made in you know oils and it's something where different companies make it in different ways, whether it's a salve, whether it's a little squirt bottle or, um, you know, take it in, in various other ways. Yeah. So just from hearing your example, uh, of your experience, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but do you think that endurance athletes should use CBD oil? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, it's, everybody needs to find their own path and, for me, it's definitely been something that, as I've used it, I have, uh, you know, found relief using it. If there's an athlete who, is, you know, often deals with plantar or uh, an IT band issue or whatever it is, you know, certainly if you haven't tried it yet, give it a try. If it works, awesome. You found something that's worked for you. If it doesn't, well, you've learned something else that doesn't work. So hopefully you'll be able to find something that works for you. But, um, you know, even if I wasn't an ambassador, I would, um, be talking about how, how that change basically happened overnight for me. Um, and if people are interested in trying prevail, um, and inside tracker and my other, um, uh, ambassadorships. Um, if you go to runspirited.com, I have, uh, uh, discounts. I have, 
uh, probably about 10 brands on there with various discounts. And there's about 50 races um, that I've got different discount codes for. Most of those are uh, road races, um, but certainly you can uh, feel free to use my codes. And, um, you know, if you are dealing with an injury um, now and um, if you have questions about Prevail, feel free to reach out to me through my website or any of my social media channels. I'd be happy to answer those questions. And, um, you know, again, feel free to, to use my codes. Nice. So Inside Tracker, um, I've, I just started working with them this year. Um, and, uh, they're helping me out through this Midwest super slam. Uh, and, uh, I'm really excited to get going. I actually have the order form for my first blood draw. Uh, and I'm going to go do that soon, but kind of walk me through that process. Like what is inside tracker? Uh, what do they do and what, um, like what's the process of getting your blood drawn and, um, the website and what have you found from that? And what have you, what adjustments have you made post starting to work with them? Right. So I, um, uh, so to get a blood draw is is incredibly easy. So you go to the Inside Tracker website, insidetracker.com, and they have different plans um, that you can choose from. Um, and obviously the more uh, metrics that they're testing for, the, the higher the cost is going to be. Um, and so you pick out which one you want, you, you pay uh, through them, and then they'll send you a confirmation email that you print out and you can search for a facility uh, near near you. I mean, we live in a fairly small town, small city, and there's, you know, one that's four miles from my house or something like that. So, um, so there are uh, various um, uh, medical centers that, that do the blood draw and you take this form to the front desk when you go there and uh, you don't pay anything because you've already paid and it says clearly on this form that don't charge the uh the patient you know send the bill to us and so it's just you know it's your turn you go back you know into the room um roll your sleeve up they draw you know the blood and um usually within a week you get the full detailed results emailed to you you can share it with uh, a coach, your healthcare provider, um, you know, anyone I've shared a, um, my previous results with uh, my first coach, who was also a registered nurse, which is a nice combination to have. So she was able yeah. to look at it from a couple different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, my sister-in-law is also a, a nurse, so I share it with her as well. And they're both like, yeah, you're totally fine. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> and... Um, so yeah, so it's it's really easy, and you know as you also go through more of these, which you'll find out, it also compares. So I can look back and see how, you know, maybe this uh, this measurement like spiked, and then I can figure out, oh well, when I am doing this, you know, it's with the markers where it should be in that optimized area, and there's others that you know through you know the six or seven tests I've had so far have literally not changed. Um, but it's good to see, you know, the changes. So it's not something, I mean, you could certainly go and do it once and, you know, get a good read and then kind of figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to have that comparable data is really great. And also kind of knowing where in your training 
makes the most sense. Um, it's also like with a typical blood test, you can't eat anything before just water the previous 12 hours, no heavy exercise. I think they say 24 hours before. Um, and then, so I usually just go as soon as they open at seven o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. get it done and then, and then move on. Yeah. And how has that changed your, uh, the results? How has that changed your approach to food? You mentioned earlier a little bit about how you're more like vegan pescatarian is that, and this was the direct, uh, like stimulus that you needed to make that change or did that happen before? Um, I wouldn't say inside tracker was the result or caused the change. Mm -hmm. It was more a resource I've been using to gauge whether that change is working for me. Um, you know, in January of 2018 is when I, you know, dropped, like I said, the, the red meat and the chicken and, and basically became pescatarian. Um, and I did that more for wanting to, you know, reading all these things and, and watching documentaries and seeing how a lot of endurance athletes are, you know, being successful with vegan or plant-based diets and being able to, you know, understand, you know, some of the basic questions that people have, like, well, what about protein and, and iron and, you know, all these things that are questions I had, very legitimate questions. But now that I've been able to kind of work through what I need to do to, to fuel and recover and that kind of thing, um, I just, you know, knowing what I've read about, you know, the harmful effects of, of you know, the great American diet, um, you know, has, has really, uh, been enlightening to me about being able to see that, you know, I can drop all these things, but still get the nutrients I need, even as someone who's, you know, putting in, um, solid, um, workouts throughout the week. Um, I, I kept it pescatarian because, I, I was still a little worried about the protein going forward. So I still wanted to be able to have eggs and, um, and dairy and, uh, and fish. Um, so I did that pretty much throughout all of 2018. And then as I, you know, started reading more and interviewing more vegan athletes, I was like, well, you know, maybe I can even be, you know, progress more toward, um, a vegan diet. And so, um, since then I've, um, cut out eggs. Um, I, I do egg whites. I had an egg white omelet this morning after, um, uh, doing, uh, doing a six mile run this morning and I kept fish in the diet, um, more so than anything because what well, two things really, I still want to be able to get that, that protein and, and make sure that it is quality fish and not just, you know, a fried filet, you know, uh, the a Friday night, you know, fish fry. Um, but being able to have quality fish a couple times a week, cause that's also been something that my inside tracker continues to recommend for me is, is getting that fish into my diet. So that's kind of why I've kept fish in, even though almost everything else pretty much is vegan and plant-based. Um, I have also cut out dairy, um, again, because of, you know, kind of the inflammation that it brings and that kind of thing. And, um, I do think that when I get tested again, I'll, I'll see 
a change in my inflammation from the inside tracker blood work, you know, and, um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how that change will, will correlate to race results this year. Um, and then, you know, who knows, I might adjust, uh, again as I go, but right now I'm, um, I'm still trying to balance the, the carbs, protein, fat kind of thing, which is challenging. Um, but I do, I do see, uh, I do see benefits in, in kind of what I've, uh, kind of what I've been practicing now. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd be really interested to see how you feel that your performance changes this year, especially going to Boston and going to UROC. Um, last time we ran, you mentioned, um, that, uh, you talked about, we were talking a lot about food and you were talking about your family and just the journey that you guys have gone on. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm five, seven, my wife is five foot. And so we knew we weren't going to have giants yeah. uh, for, for kids. <laughs> um, and we have two boys and when the younger one was in sixth grade, um, the, uh, his brother had, um, shown, um, you know, growth by that point. And the younger one was at like 0% of the growth curve. And his pediatrician said, I don't, you know, I, I don't know, you know, he's healthy, active, you know, but he's just not growing. So she said, let's send him to a specialist and just kind of see what's going on. And a specialist took one look and said, I'm going to test him for celiac disease, which we didn't know what that was. Yeah. And celiac disease is a, is a blood draw. And then there's a number and most of the population is 0. 0.00, whatever it's zero is the low. And then I think the number is 10 or if you're at 10, then you have celiac disease. Well, he was a hundred. Whoa. And <laughs> we're like, Whoa. And so we got my, my other son tested and he was, 36 or 38 something like that's so like okay so we're gonna go gluten-free here overnight and 10 is the number yeah where they say that you have celiac yeah i think it is yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's low i mean they were they were both uh extremely high yeah and did you and your wife get tested we didn't because we just uh like i'd always had you know stomach issues and stuff like that but it was always like well that's just you know, normal. It, it was the normal. Um, so we didn't, but we just, you know, changed, literally changed our diets overnight. And, mm. uh, so Kyle was at the, the bottom of the growth curve and he probably within four to six weeks, you know, we'd noticed that he, um, he felt better. He complained of stomach issues earlier, but, um, you know, we started to see the changes. Um, he was trending to be somewhere between my height and my wife's height, like five, three, five, four is where he was going to tap out. But now he's, I mean, we look each other square in the eyes now mm-hmm. and he, you know, could certainly still pass me. But the, the most compelling thing is that his hair, which had always been thin, thickened after taking out the gluten. Yeah. Um, so there's, there was an obvious correlation there where he's taller than he should have been, his hair thickened, he feels better. Um, and he's a healthy kid. Um, 
and they both are. Um, and I know there's a lot of anti-gluten or <laughs> anti-gluten-free, I guess, um, you know, talk out there. And, you know, my recommend recommendation would be, again, for people to find their own path. If they have stomach issues and they haven't been tested, they might want to check that out. Uh, cause it is a thing. Um, at the same time, if, if you don't suffer from stomach issues, there is probably no reason for you to go gluten-free. Um, is that one of the, is that one of the first signs and one of the biggest signs of celiac? And also, ex- I guess, explain what celiac disease is too. So celiac is, is being allergic to the, the wheat, the rye, barley that is, uh, used in, in, uh, a lot of baking and other uh, manufacturing of foods. There's, um, you know, and, and people can say, well, we've always, you know, they've been making bread, you know, out of these products for generations and, you know, nobody claimed celiac before. Well, it's also, you know, what Monsanto and some others have done to the actual production of wheat and other products that has given rise to the increase in gluten sensitivity and uh, the allergy. Um, for some people, it's really severe. Like if they have, you know, if they accidentally get some gluten, it's almost like a peanut allergy where they will be doubled over and, you know, not be able to, you know, function. For us, it's it's never been like that. It's just been something that obviously stunted growth in a in an otherwise healthy child. Um, That's and, wild. Yeah, Jeez. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and you know, there in the time, you know, we're very, very fortunate that in the time we've been on, you know, this diet, there's been a lot of progress made in foods that are available and some are, you know, more tasty than others and, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of find <laughs> what, what you like. And, um, you know, but there are a lot of products that, um, are, are definitely, uh, something that we have no hesitation in putting on our on our plates, um, going out to eat can be a bit of a challenge, um, at times, but that's also getting better. On one of my trips, I was in this remote part of Nebraska, I think it was. And, uh, you know, the co-work I was with and I went out to a, um, you know, kind of sports bar type place. And I was blown away that they had gluten-free pizza crust. I'm like, holy cow, I will totally do this. I was thinking I was just going to, you know, have a salad and, um, be done with that. But it was, it was actually really good. And it was in, you know, middle America, um, you know, in a very remote place. And wow, so that yeah. was kind of reassuring that, um, there are options beyond the, uh, um, you know, the places that you would normally think for, um, you know, progressive, um, uh, diets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that is a wild story, uh, just about how, all of a sudden now your son is growing and his hair's back and everything. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just wild. Um, my wife, uh, she hasn't been tested, but whenever she has something that has gluten in it, she's like sick for like three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, she really, she, well, so before we had our first, no, before, so before we had our second child, uh, which was about three and a half years ago, um, we had been, 
you know, pretty much like vegetarian, almost vegan. Um, we've been that way for a while. Uh, but, uh, when she, we had, she had our second son, he actually was, uh, we kind of allergic to like dairy. Like we kind of, that was like obvious. Uh, and so she cut that out pretty much immediately. And then she also, uh, at the same time, like cut out gluten. And then at that moment, like basically over like the span of like a week or two, she saw a huge turnaround just in her own health, kind of like not as dramatic as your son, but just like she wasn't getting sick anymore, uh, like uh, in her stomach, like uh, she just felt better. She had more energy and just everything changed. And so our house is probably like, I mean, it's pretty close. Like it's not completely gluten-free because um, I still eat it. uh, And then our kids do, like we don't really have restrictions on our kids anymore. Like our son's grown out of it. Um, But, uh, and they go to like daycare and friends' houses and stuff. And we don't, we're not, um, we don't have restrictions over them when they're outside of the house. And so we let them have some of the same things that they're familiar with inside the house. But she has noticed a huge change. And then anytime like, like, uh, and I wanted to hear about your experience with like going out to eat or like grocery shopping, because when we go out to eat, she has to be very clear with the waiters. Uh, sometimes she has to even talk to the head chef because if she has something that has gluten in it, like she's actually sick for like mm. three days. So is that, I mean, I'm sure you have the same experience. <laughs> yeah, we um, we make it clear that we're all gluten-free and, and restaurants have gotten a lot better about, you know, being able to accommodate instead of saying, oh, well, we have salads. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I made one mistake where I was, I was traveling and I went to a, a restaurant, um, that's a, um, it's a national chain and, um, a sit down place. And I ordered the, uh, vegan burger and our gluten-free fries and had a, a lettuce wrap around the burger. And so I didn't think anything about it and I had that for lunch. And then in the middle of the afternoon, I had this like huge pain in my stomach and it was something where it, um, it, it, it had, you know, it came from out of nowhere and I, I was trying to think, I thought, you know, I know I ordered the fries that were gluten-free and I know this restaurant, um, and it makes both gluten and non-gluten. And I was like, I am pretty sure that, they tasted and looked like the ones I'd gotten there before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe they messed that up. Or, but I'm, I couldn't convince myself that it was the fries. So I, when I got back to my hotel, I, I looked up their uh, menu online. And sure enough, I made the mistake. The vegan burger used wheat as a, as a binding agent. And I thought, okay, well, that was a pretty good test because I wasn't expecting it. So it wasn't like in my head that I would get sick or feel bad. But yeah, it was it was clearly a cause and effect, and boy, lesson learned for me about you know double checking um, every menu. Yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> uh, so, what's your experience uh, eating this way and trying to trying to be gluten free uh, in races and like with race nutrition and aid stations? Like, have you ever run into trouble? Uh, you know, ate something you shouldn't have in the middle of a race or anything like that. Fortunately, no. Um, you know, some races are better than others. Um, when I did the, uh, and I, you know, I pack a lot of my own stuff. Um, another, um, 
uh, brand that I'm a uh, ambassador of is Honey Stinger, and I just devour their gluten-free waffles and gels. They're um, they're just outstanding. They're um, uh, natural. They give me the energy I have. I've been working out in the mornings most days now, and um, not every day, but quite often I'll pop in uh, uh, when they're gluten-free waffles and um, you know, on my way to the Y or just before I go outside and start running. Very easy to digest, and they, um, they give me that energy, so I will pack those um, you know, in my race day kit uh, or my drop bag. Um, so I, I always know I have that covered, you know, as far as other food, I'm, you know, I tend toward the, the bananas and the other fruit, um, uh, you know, more natural stuff where you know what's in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I did take a chance at Chattanooga cause it was, <laughs> like I said, it was a cold yeah. rainy day mm-hmm. and one aid station had soup and I said, is that gluten free? And he goes, no, then he goes, there's noodles in it. And he goes, and I, I think the broth is as well. And I said, all right. I said, well, give me as much broth as you can. And I'll, cause I just need to be warmed up at that point. I mm-hmm. was like, hopefully it'll be so minimal in the broth where it won't cause any issues. Um, plus I'm burning through fuel so, so rapidly that I was hoping that that would, you know, compensate for anything in it. You know, I didn't have any of the noodles. Um, and so I just had the broth and it, it was fine. Um, I will say that um, I have asked a couple of the gluten-free athletes I've interviewed, you know, their recommendations for races. Um, and Gabe Joyce, who's a, a really great ultra runner out in, he lives in Wyoming. I'll be doing actually one of his races uh, this June. Um, What's that? That is the Sinks Canyon Rough and Tumble. Nice. Yeah. it. Uh, I did... They have three distances. There's 50K, 18K, and I think a 10K or 5 or 10K. Um, it's another uh, race in the mountains in nice. western Wyoming. The um, the race is, uh, it's really cool. And because he's gluten-free, um, you know, he gets that for the uh, the runners and so he had Honey Stinger at the first race. I don't know if he'll do that this year or not. Um, but the at the finish line, when I did the race two years ago, they had um, uh, kind of a Mexican um, uh, burrito kind of thing. And you could either get it with the burrito, which you know was made with flour, or you could do it kind of as a bowl. So it was a nice way to... You know, if people are gluten sensitive or have a gluten allergy, or if they, you know, don't and want to, you know, do a real burrito, they can they can have that choice. Um, so he has told me about, and he has a real severe allergy where he would, um, for years, he didn't know he he uh, was a celiac, and it affected his running and it affected, you know, just his body internally. And then once he was diagnosed, it, it was a huge game changer, and he. Won several uh, hundred milers last year, uh, tough hundred milers. Not that any are easy. <laughs> um, and so he has recommended a couple races to me. I wish I could actually think of them now. But ones that he's done that they did, uh, you know, su- supply stuff for um, 
uh, for people with, with uh, those nutritional needs. And I will say the race director for the Big Turtle, um, and they do about a half a dozen races in Kentucky. Um, his wife, who's also a runner, is a celiac. So when I asked about being able to, um, you know, because that was a, a 50 miler, being able to have you know, stuff at eight stations I could eat, they went out of their way uh, because he obviously was close to this. And so at the turnaround point, they um, made accommodations for me, and I don't know if there was others too, but the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, they had someone who was one of the, I mean, all volunteers are great, but she went out of her way. She um, she had a knife that was separate from what they'd been using for the other sandwiches, and so she used that to put on the peanut butter as I you know, stood there and watched her. Um, and recovered, um, you know, put on the peanut yeah. butter and the jelly and, you know, get, you know, made me a couple to go as well too. Um, so they went out of their way and I'm trying to think of the name of the race company. And I, I can't right now, but big, they do big turtle, um, and some others in Kentucky. Um, and so they, they went out of their way. And, and so I will, they're definitely on my list to go do, um, their races again because of, of, um, how well they, uh, they accommodated me. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like that's really cool when, uh, race directors and aid stations will, uh, just be accommodating like that. And I feel like, uh, like you mentioned, like the American diet and some, one of the things that we try to do is eat more of like Indian food and Mexican food a lot of times. Cause I mean, you can just have a lot more luck and it just seems like there's a lot more better tasting food. Um, but, uh, well, man, we're at like an hour and a half, <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up. Um, but remind me what races you have coming up. Uh, I know your next race, uh, is that the is that the hot chocolate? We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Um, so the hot chocolate, uh, 15K, uh, hot chocolate is a race series um, in various cities. And their season generally goes... I want to say from like October to March, maybe April. Um, but the, the idea is it's a, you know, it's more of a fun race. Um, it's a good kind of starter five or 15 K for people who are, um, you know, getting into running or, you know, want to do that kind of community spirit or run with friends, that kind of thing. And so they have, um, you know, hot chocolate at the, at the finish line yeah. and, um, they give you a, a kind of a bowl with uh, dipping sauce, dipping chocolate, and a banana, um, and some other things to um, dip into it. Um, there's no shortage of little um, uh, little chocolate bite-sized uh, pieces either at the race expo or um, at the finish line. And it's you know it's a fun race. It's um, it's literally outside my office window where I work in Indianapolis. So it's, you know, I know I'm going to have, um, uh, easy access to restroom before and after. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that as kind of a, a fun race to kick off the year. Uh, two weeks after that is Boston and about a month after that is UROC. And then I go to, uh, Gabe Joyce's race out in, uh, Wyoming in June. And then 
I'm pretty sure the only other thing on the calendar right now is my first timed event, which is sometime in July um, at or near Butler University in Indianapolis. And that's an eight-hour race. Um, and that's going to be in the heat. Is that the dream race? Yeah. Or dream th- race? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. 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 I've actually, I've looked at that the last couple years and almost pulled the trigger a couple times yeah. on it. But yeah, I, I haven't done a timed race. I thought it would be um, interest, interesting to do in the heat of the summer. And yeah. Because it's also, it starts at like 10 a.m. So mm-hmm. yeah. You are running through the heat yeah. of the day. Um, hopefully it'll be a nice gentle rain to help cool us off. I don't usually root for rain, but I think the record there is like 51 miles or something. I was looking at who the winners over the last couple of years were. Um, but that'd be pretty, cause yeah, it's in the, right in the middle of the summer and it's hot and they start the race at 10 (laughs) AM. Yeah. That'll be a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I'm really, uh, waiting to see how the hundred K goes and you know, if that goes well, um, you know, then the next logical step is the hundred miler. And I've got a couple toward the end of the year that, uh, I'm looking at, um, that will also, you know, if, if, if hundred K goes well, and then I can finish, uh, the hundred mile, uh, distance in a couple races that I'm looking at, not both, but one or the other, um, those are both Western States qualifiers. So, mm-hmm. you know, figuring that it'll take me six, seven years to possibly get into that. Mm-hmm. I want to start that clock ticking. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if the hundred K doesn't go well and, um, the hundred milers are just not my thing, I want to at least have tried it and then, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah, you got to start that clock, Yeah, <laughs> that Western <laughs> States clock. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could get in on your first year or two. I know some people that have. Yeah. Um, but for most people, you're probably looking at like five to seven or eight years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's a couple guys I know that are on year seven right now, which is just a long time to wait. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Well, uh, where can people find you on the internet? So the great part about having kind of an unusual name is that I was able to uh, grab, um, you know, my full name, Henry Howard, um, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And people can certainly um, follow me, reach out to me there. Uh, Run Spirited is uh, just like it sounds. Uh, Runspirited.com is the website. Uh, Facebook page with the same name where I um, post a lot of running related material. Uh, the Twitter handle is the same. Um, I didn't quite get the Instagram uh, run spirited, so that's actually run underscore spirited. Um, but I think I'm fairly well connected. Um, and so if you find one, you can probably find the others. Yeah. And um, feel free to reach out to me again. Uh, plenty of discount codes that I'm happy to share at the runspirited.com website. And you know, if anyone is looking for a coach, um, then I'd be happy to talk about your goals, your experiences, and, you know, how I might be able to help. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, my pleasure. This thanks for having me on. This was yeah. awesome. Yeah, this is really fun. All right. Well, and best gonna... of luck in your uh, yeah. hundreds this summer. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think we did it. I think we'll stop it right there. All right. Oh, God. Thanks. Thanks.
that's it, guys. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I had a lot of fun interviewing Henry. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of really cool insights. Uh, he's been through a lot, and I just really feel like he has some valuable information uh, that we can all learn a little bit from. So if you haven't already, go check him out on his website, on social media. He's got a lot of really cool things going on. But yeah, that's it. Thanks, Henry, for joining me. Thank you again to Inside Tracker for sponsoring me this year. Um, I'm really excited to uh, see what comes up uh, through all my testing, and I'll definitely be sharing all of that with you guys. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to get out and go. Like, I'm ready to get running. I'm getting ready to get racing. Like, I'm ready for it to warm up. Uh, I know it's all coming. It's coming soon. Thanks again for joining me. I know this this was uh, kind of another long one. Uh, so if you made it this far, awesome. Reach out to me. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really, really enjoy doing this podcast. And it's really cool hearing back from you guys, um, those of you that listen to it. So thanks again. That's it for now. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Bye. Bye.